Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, but real quick before we get to them, I have to tell you about Certified Piedmontese because this is a brand I am so excited about. In fact, I will never forget the first time I had Certified Piedmontese. The crown jewel of my initial visit to Casa Bovina was a beautiful rib cap that was so lean and tender, it was almost silky in texture. The moment that beef hit my taste buds, I was hooked. These animals are raised all natural on a network of family ranches across the Midwest, so Certified Piedmontese is able to cut out the middleman and buy directly from the source. And while I highly encourage you to check out Casa Bovina, you can savor this beef at home, too. Whether you order off Piedmontese.com or by calling one 800 414-3487, your purchase will be shipped directly to your front door. Plus, when you use my discount code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now, to my guest. Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin', and we talk with a lot of chefs on this podcast frequently about the importance of using fresh ingredients from local farmers and producers, and I would really like to do a better job of highlighting some of them on this show. That's what we're going to do today. My guests are Kevin Dorman and Jen Miller. They are the owners of Miller Dorman Farm, which is just one of the most well-known and well-respected farms in the area. Guys, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Okay, so I want to start off right away just by giving you guys some credence and listing some restaurants that you're either currently working with or have worked with you recently. Block 16, The Boiler Room, Ocarant, V. Mertz, Dante, Via Farina, Semo, Lola's, Coneflower, Casbovina, Fig, Corner Kitchen, Le Cordier, I mean, I'm basically at this point just listing off a list of my favorite restaurants. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. Like, the point is when the best of the best are looking for, uh, th- when they're looking for produce, they're coming to you. What is it, do you think, about Miller Dorman Farms that has allowed you to create such a strong reputation in this community? We provide unique products. Um, Two of our most popular items is uh, whole wheat stone ground flour, and this whole wheat is uh, grown on our farm, and we mill it on our farm, and then we sell it. Uh, I don't believe there's anybody else around uh, the Omaha area that is doing that. The whole package. We do the whole package. The other thing is that we stone mill uh, corn, locally grown corn, and then we sell that as polenta. So those are two shelf And the rye flour is also unique. Yeah. Rye flour is very popular. We grew that. Sorghum. Mm -hmm. Sorghum flour. So we have a couple of different flours. Small grains. No one else is selling and no one else is growing. So tell me what what's special about those things when restaurants are like, "Oh, I have the opportunity to get to get this." They're jumping at it and they're coming to you. Well, uh, I think the, the biggest thing is that it's ground fresh locally. So it's not stored in a train car for a year and then ground in a Minneapolis uh <laughs> mill and then bleached so that all the nutrient value besides the starch is gone. I mean, there's nothing left in most flours that you get, So, and the taste is also gone. So you have to use it up right away because it has the oil and the germ mm-hmm. and the endosperm with it, or freeze it, you know, to keep it fresh. So our, that's the most unique thing about our flours, that it's stone ground so it doesn't ever get too hot, and, yeah. um, and it's fresh. You know, and that's unique, and um, even if you buy whole wheat flour from the grocery store, it's got the brand mixed back in after it's been ground and store and, and it so the challenge for a lot of people that wanted to make flour like that is you have to use it up right away or it will it'll go it'll go bad if you don't use it up within a few months and some of the flour that you buy in the grocery store could easily be a year old before you ever get anywhere near the plant exactly. and so for, for us it's grown in the in the dirt locally i harvest it in july and then we sell it throughout the year but we grind it fresh every couple of weeks so how did you guys identify like that there was like this hole in the market where you know and and you guys sell other stuff on your farm we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get into that a little bit but mm-hmm. this specifically you know having that fresh ground product 
did you talk to restaurants and identify that this was a hole or was it just kind of like hey nobody's doing this it was Should more than do nobody's it, doing it, it and more, then yeah and then we met with a, a, f- a few bakers and chefs and restaurants and said we're going to think about this and they said well how much can you make and we said we don't I don't know. How much do you want to buy? <laughs> How much do you yeah. want to buy? That was more the question. Well, and the other side of it is we, we started the farm um, after I retired from the IT business, and she retired from the advertising marketing mm-hmm. business, and so she's sort of an advertiser by nature. And, and I'm you're more, more of an mechanical, operations mechanical, operational so. kind We of both thing. grew up on farms, so we both knew what it takes to have a farm and to have the tractor and to have the combine and to have the grain bin and to have the grain cleaners and to have the tractor or the the bins and the buildings and all the stuff you have to have to do it, which is most small farmers in a in a vegetable market or small farmers can't do it. And the big guys that are, have a thousand acres of corn don't want to mess around with a no. tiny little product like this because you can't sell it anywhere unless you create your own vertical market. And so for us, the big breakthrough was probably a meeting with Le Cordier where they said, how, yep. how much can you make? And we said, well... How, How much, much can you, you buy? buy? <laughs> <So> <laughs> it's sort of this negotiation process because the mill alone costs about fifteen thousand dollars. So no. you it's have a big to, investment up front. Yeah, you, if you're not going to sell five pounds a week to somebody, you're not going to spend the fifteen thousand dollars. So, no. and that's just one of the items. You know, you've got all the. The cleaning equipment and the combine and the yeah. bins. And no one really knows how dirty a grain can be when it's harvested. So we clean it three times. We have to clean it three times to get all the dust, all the dirt out of it. And it's ready then to be milled. And it smells so fresh once it's milled. Um, we, we put our nose to the grindstone, literally. Yeah, That's literally. The, <laughs> and it you, smells great. You smell it and you can tell if things yeah. are right. Uh-huh. Okay, so I, I want to get into the origin story because you started there talking about you guys both have backgrounds in farms. But first, I want to just highlight a couple other things that you guys offer. Uh, you mentioned the wheat, uh, alfalfa, oats, barley, corn. Oh, your sweet corn. Honey, eggs, and seasonal vegetables. And a lot of what we're going to be talking about today, I think, is going to be about your relationship with restaurants and supplying restaurants. Mm-hmm. But people can go on your website, uh, MillerDormanFarm.com, and they can select and purchase several different products that will change throughout the year. So yeah. mm-hmm. I just want to highlight that as well. If anyone's listening mm-hmm. and they're just like, man, I could really use some of this stuff, you have that ability. Mm-hmm. And there are also pop-ups that mm-hmm. people can come to, but come we're going to get into that yeah. as well. So you mentioned it, Kevin. You guys both grew up on farms got out of that lifestyle for several years and then came back to it once you retired. Did you always kind of feel that pull to come back to the farm or was it more of like when you retired, just like, Hey, we used to do this thing. We could go back to that. It's funny. It's it's funny story. Because we got a dog first. No, 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 no. The funny story is it started off with a pull behind camper, which we realized we needed to get a pickup for to pull the pull behind camper. But once you have a pickup, you need a dog. (laughs) So we got a dog and a pickup. And then we realized we needed a farm because the dog needed a place to run. So the farm just kind of was an afterthought, really. What are we going to do with the farm? And then we got the farm and then we decided, well... experiment with crops there were so many things that he and i both grew up with that so many other people had no idea that was just so common knowledge to us i grew up with row crop and beef cattle and a large large garden and you grew up with the gardens mom did mom was a gardener like her mom was and and uh, dad we milked cows and had pigs and sheep and chickens and everything possible and my dad was sort of an inventor on the side too he was always he was always building things or making things work because when you're a farmer you you uh many times have to <clears throat> figure out a way to make fix things mm-hmm. you can't always run to town and and <laughs> it was no the, a successful what, <clears throat> farmer actually is a jack of all trades and a mechanic really um so we just kind of put our heads together and we started experimenting. What can we do that people might want to buy? Uh, the first thing that we came up with is obviously our sweet corn. That was something that I grew up with. I grew up with. And we knew we needed to have our sweet corn. 
And you love sweet corn too. I, you know, I love sweet corn. <laughs> I have who, to plant. Who doesn't? Oh my but gosh. she has to have it planted on her birthday, or the world's not right. Exactly. So that's I, my birthday present every year for I her. I grew up with it always being planted on my birthday, which is April twenty fourth. And if you look at the growing season, it generally is worked out right. Where then it's harvested the middle part of July, which frees us up to do other things in the fall. So it started with the sweet corn, but then we started experimenting with... Something we could sell all year, and it would have a lifespan shelf stable. So that's where the flowers and the small grains yeah. came in. So I want to go back a little bit further. How did you guys meet? On a bicycle trail? Cycling. Bicycling. Yeah. Bicycling. Well, well, tell me about it. Like, Well, I was on the 4th of July about, <laughs> I don't know, 16 or 17, uh, 17 years ago. 17 years ago riding on the Bellevue Trail around the curve on the south on the creek down there, and there and was a girl in front of me, and I thought, well, that's an uh, interesting view. And so <laughs> I, I went back to my office at Coast Century the next couple of days, and she stopped in to sell to our marketing person some cups some or some cups bottles or, mugs or, or something, something. And, and I, I was recognized in the, her. I was in the presentation room trying to get the owners to agree Doing upon the what they wanted to, to buy. And in the middle of everything, he said, I um, think I know you. <laughs> you were on the bicycle trail two weeks ago around what? 11 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> On the 4th of July. <laughs> on the 4th of July. And I simply said, okay, That's all right, would you like the coffee mug, though? But do you uh, want the coffee mug? So that was 17, 18 years ago. Yep. And now you own a farm together. Now we <laughs> have a farm together. It's yeah. just wild, but really cool. Okay, so you start, okay, let, let's start there. Why did you get a camper? Because you said the camper was the impetus behind uh, all this, right, I, that led to this. Yeah, I wanted to get a camper to uh, begin to, you know, see the country, and I was getting old enough where I thought it was going to be fun to have, take the kids and go see the Grand Canyon and all that. And so we did. We went to the Grand Canyon, and we were coming down out of the mountains with my Toyota. Uh, Sierra. Whatever. Uh, yeah, something like Sequoia. That. And Sequoia. It, that's it, it would pull the camper fine, but it wouldn't stop very well. And the tires started getting hot and the brakes, and I thought, not doing this again. It was scary. Yeah. So I said, I have to get a bigger truck so I, or something that will pull the camper better. So that's how we ended up with the truck, and it's kind of a joke. But we always, both of us, kind we of wanted to be retired to, yeah. the, to the country. You know, so we found on the, we were on a bicycle ride going north to Fort Calhoun. Corporate cycling challenge. Yeah, and there was a Highway sign that 75. said for sale. This little farm was for sale, so... I said, All right, we should check that out. And next thing you know, we bought the little farm. It was bought, 12 acres and then yeah. bought some additional land to go with it. And then we also rent some land. So that's kind of the, the short story. How, how serious was that conversation when you, when you see that land and you're just like, hey, we should buy that? Was well, that just kind of a comment that you tossed out or was it just like, no, hey, we, this we is been looking. looking. We've been okay. looking. Been so looking. it was kind of luck that we know, both noticed the sign. We both knew we didn't want to live way In, way way out we know we wanted to stay close to omaha and it was a gem really that we could find some place that was literally 15 minutes from dodge it was zoned agricultural and um had a little bit of farm ground and some spots for the house and and ta-da we have two dogs now so and two does dogs. that mean you need another farm maybe so <laughs> Uh, no, well, one, ideas. one farm's farm enough room for both dogs. Many more probably, ideas, probably. That's, that's not a one-to-one <laughs> ratio. Not required, no, right? No, no, that's right. So, what does? And obviously, you guys had some background in it growing up in it. But like, what does one even do once you purchase that land? And okay, real quick, backing up. Is this 2013? Yeah, that, that, 2012. Okay, 2012, 2013, that oh, area. Somewhere yeah. around there. Your first social media post was in 2013, so that's what I'm working yeah, off so, of. But okay. that was probably further back than that. Yeah. Well, we we started by uh, the, the farm that we bought had uh, about 2,000 dying Christmas trees on it. They were 30-year-old Christmas trees. The guy had um, started a Christmas tree farm. and then He was a botanist. Mm-hmm. Well, he's a coach. <laughs> And he loved plants and he just loved plants and flowers and he had planted thousands of Christmas trees and they were all in the process of dying because of scotch pine disease. And so they're fine until they're about 20 feet tall and then they started falling over. So we uh, knocked the trees down and started trying to figure out what we could do with the ground that would make sense. So we knocked all the trees down and put them in a pile in 2012 and then started by, by rebuilding the barn that was there. And then when we, um, got all the trees pushed off to the side, then we just decided the ground was pretty good and we could probably grow our sweet corn patch there. So that's where the 
sweet so corn patch has been. Sweet corn started. So it was uh, getting, getting the ground ready to farm and then accumulating the equipment, the planter and the tractor and all that. And and we started with, you know, we still have just simply used equipment. Everything we own is used. Yeah, uh, mostly from the 80s. <laughs> mostly because it's small. and it Farmers can, were smaller. And it's much easier to handle in small, you know, land patches. Yeah, if the smallest combine that John Deere makes today new is probably a $300,000 piece of equipment. Mm. And my, my combine is the smallest combine they made in the 80s, the, the early 90s. And uh, if you... Uh, you can't even turn some of these combines around in my field. They're so big. No, they're, <laughs> so, they're very, very large. Yeah, so that that's part of the game if you want to be in the small grains to, to go out and try to harvest it with a sigh. It's, and, it's romantic but impossible. <laughs> seems cool, but it, yeah, you, until you, it's until you like have to 95 do it. degrees and it's hot and the rain is going to come and you need to get it harvested. And oh, wait, you might have other things going on as well that you have yeah. to work around. So, so what we did first was a, uh, kind of lay out the plans of what we were going to grow, which was going to be sweet corn. But then you can't grow sweet corn every year on the same land or the worms will uh, come. Interesting. <laughs> so okay. we have to rotate our crops on different ground every year. So the rotation, That's... because we don't want to do a lot of chemicals and we're trying to do things not, not organic certified, but organically oriented. and. Yeah. So we do crop rotation. So we plant sweet corn one year, and then we'll put in cover crops like and 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 small grains like rye and wheat. And then we'll go to alfalfa because alfalfa puts nitrogen back in the soil. And then I can grow alfalfa for three or four years on the ground and and accumulate. And, and that that helps. And then I've got a market for the hay. So, so the ground is doing something useful. And it's regenerating the soil for us. And so then after three or four years, we can grow the sweet corn again, or at least every other yeah. year. And that way we, uh, we treat the ground well. We know it'll be there in 100 years of farming, kind of like our grandparents did with, you know, small tractors or horses if we had them. <laughs> but it's, it's small it's scale. It's small. And it's a small lot of work. Scale. But a lot ra of work. rather than just spraying the chemicals and then no weeds, we have to cultivate and fight the weeds. Weed. And then There's because we don't buy a lot of fertilizer, we have to rotate the crops. And because we want to keep the bugs down without insecticides, we rotate the crops. And so, oh. like, we don't plant our tomatoes on the same piece of ground every year because funguses and blights and all kinds of nasty things will get you if you do plant them in the same spot every year. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot more work in planting than I think just Most people the, understand. Most yeah, people the average have no consumer would, would know. How long did it put or how long did it take to put all these plans in motion or put them all well, together. That was kind of the first three or four years is figuring out, out what worked, how our crop rotations were going to be, what she could sell. So like she sells heritage tomatoes, some of the most beautiful tomatoes yeah. that the restaurants just love them, um, but they don't keep very well. So if you don't pick them the same day you take them to the market, you'll end up with a puddle of tomato juice in a That's, box because they're, they're so ripe and, and that the heirloom quality is beautiful and, and flavorful, but, <laughs> but you, you, they, they won't last long. So, and restaurants know that and respect that. So constantly I'm communicating with restaurants what I have and what they need. And so it's truly a relationship with restaurant chefs and their staff and really uh, listening to see what they need and when they need it. Yeah, what they can use and what we can sell and what we can, we have to try to make money on it, you know, so, which is also a big deal because it, you can grow a wonderful, I don't know what, that you can't sell. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we you just never know. So you have to listen to the restaurant chef. You have to kind of always be there for them. And um, every week I do restaurant deliveries. Um, it's just myself. Um, in the summertime, that means picking and weighing, loading, and getting in that vehicle and getting to those restaurants as soon as possible before it's 95 degrees out because I don't have a refrigerator truck. So it is truly... Um, <laughs> it's a lot of work it's, in the summer. It's a lot of work in the summer. Most people have, again, no idea. We... Uh because we plant the tomatoes, she has to raise them from seeds, too. So in the springtime, then what she does is her and her friend Laura plant a 1,000 seeds instead of the 100 that we're going to need. 
and then they sell so 700 we of them at our spring plant sale. One of our big, uh, our big pop-up, pop-up events. Uh, it'll be our sixth annual next April is a huge um, seedling plant pop-up where we'll have vegetable seedlings, flowers, flowers herbs, everything. And we've got a nice following on that one. And how that started is that we really just wanted to experiment ourselves and grow different things. And so many other people were saying, can I buy that? from you and so we just thought maybe we should have a plant pop-up sale so that's our first pop-up of every year is the plant sale something we always look forward to something green something something to plant in your garden and when we started we would have never it was because of the tomatoes in the summer and the extra plants and then her friend laura will come up with these obscure peppers or obscure seeds that are wonderful and the chefs just well, love them when you get them uh, you might have received your baker's creek new 24 catalog and on the front cover is a purple tomato and we apparently that's already sold out but we are staying on top of that and hopefully we'll have that lovely Find a purple purple, Cherokee, purple or something it, it's a, a very unique uh, purple tomato which Again, it's on the cover, and so sadly it's sold out, but we'll see what we can do. We'll keep you posted. Something to look forward to. Yep. So you've mentioned pop-ups several times, and these happen in your barn, which Mm -hmm. is just an absolutely beautiful space. I mean, it is so fun to come in there and just have those big open doors, and you've got several vendors inside. You've got products everywhere. As you're designing the barn originally, did you have that in mind that we're going to host things here? Or was it purely oh, no. for production? No. When we no. bought the place, there was a there was a barn that was falling down. It had two or three mulberry trees growing through it, and it was in that spot with exact that door, same spot. And uh, I thought, well, this this is uh, I, w- I want a barn. So Sand Creek uh, Post and Beam Barn up in Wayne, Nebraska, was selling and kind of making it big with these Post and Beam Barns, which were like the barns that we grew up with. Her mm-hmm. barn. I don't know, it was built in the 1890s or my dad's barn was built in 1907 and we grew up, you know, playing in the hay pile inside the barn. So it's one of those things where we've always, I've always wanted one and she let me have it. (laughs) But what you wanted about the barn is more of a functional kind of barn. And he researched um, what you could possibly do on the flooring so that he could drive a tractor or anything inside so that it was stable enough where he could park, carry the loads. So. Park a wagon, do whatever you need to do. So it was more of a functional. Yeah, we wanted it completely open because most of the barns that they built in those years had posts every eight feet because the roofs were weak and they mm-hmm. had, to, so they were very un. They weren't very friendly to driving it or having no. a dance in it. Or a, if you wanted to have a wedding in our barn, which we've had four or five weddings in the barn, mm. um, you could put rows of people without having posts in the way. So that, that it's a very open it's layout, a very on open this, which we did do that by design. Yeah. But um, And then the basement's where we have our uh, food processing kitchen. So I don't know if you've ever been down there, but that has a, a, yeah. a kitchen down there where we can make the masa and do the black walnut syrup and the and that's where apple our cider. mill is and the feed mills there that's, or the that's, flour mill that's kind of where we go to make it happen so when did you start making contact with restaurants like how, to, how when you're just a new farm and you're not you don't have those established relationships well, yet. How, how do you start making was, those? Our friend Ben. Uh, our friend Ben. So uh, ben we both Oh, lived, Ben Maids. Yeah. We, so we Ben got in, married in our barn. Ben helped me build my house. Ben, ben was uh, my son's friend in high school. For those who don't Side. know, Ben Maids is, he's part of the flagship, re- flagship restaurant group, excuse me, and also co-owner of Okra. Yeah, we had a lot the of... The guy's an incredible chef. But he, yeah. he, he, he hadn't started the restaurant yet, and no. he's thinking about doing it, and he said, you think I should do it, Kevin? I said, yeah, yes, man, you should do well, this. Back, okay, I'm shaking your up. hand right now. If you helped inspire Okra in any way, I didn't, shape, no, or form. All I did was, I, I said, Ben, you, sh- you should do it, and if you need to borrow some money or whatever, I've started several businesses in my life, and I said, the best way you can enjoy the rest of your life and work really hard yeah. is to do something you're really good at. And obviously he's, you're really good good at at he's pretty good at cooking. When he was in high school, he would make stuff for his friends, right? Oh, I mean, really? 
Well, they would travel to Colorado yeah. and go skiing, and his our neighbor was his scout master. Well, that's master. how it really started. Our neighbors were his scout masters, kind of. Mm. He's young, he's younger than I he's, am by a long shot. He's but. much younger. So I I was going to start trying to sell to restaurants, and I knew Ben had worked at other restaurants. So I nervously called him up and I said, Ben, um, what what do you want to buy? He goes, Whatever you grow, I'll buy. So it made me think about, okay, so perhaps I could grow some eggplant. What am I good at? Perhaps I could grow something that's unique, and that's really what restaurants are looking for. They're looking for that unique pepper. Like Peg, um, Pegler, Cisco, the, the, the food supply people, the big trucks that pull around and do all the routes, you know, mm-hmm. they, can't, they can't deliver a heritage tomato. Because it'll be a ball of mush, and they're just you know what we can send you we can sell you this thing that looks like a softball. It's beautiful, and you throw it at the wall, and it won't break. But you can slice it, and it looks like a tomato. <laughs> but you know the difference. And you've been to those restaurants that are that way. So there's that's, there's that's those I, restaurants. Ben's and then tomatoes, a Oscar's different. tomatoes, Tim's tomatoes. <laughs> and I could go down the list. Mm-hmm. They're heritage tomatoes if they can get them. You know and, what I mean? It's and just, it's worth it's it. The difference in the in the plate that you get is wonderful. That's a lesson that I learned, and frequent listeners to this will know this story. But kitchen table, Colin Duggan will only get his BLT is insane, mm-hmm. incredible. But, probably because but, it's a heritage tomato, homemade yeah. mayonnaise, homemade yes. bread, yeah. bacon that you get from Bill up or Cure cooking in Ex- Fort Calhoun. Exactly, but mm-hmm. he, he will only sell that tomato for about six weeks of the year because that's when those tomatoes are freshest. And mm-hmm. the moment that they're either not ripe enough or they start to decline, it's over off the menu. Yeah. And that's exactly what you guys are saying. Like, mm-hmm. that's what makes farms like yours special is, yeah, you could just make run-of-the-mill tomatoes that you could go buy at the grocery store, and most diners might not even notice. Until they but try Until one. they try a real one, and yeah. they go into the boiler room or V-Mertz, and they have... That tomato. Yeah, that tomato, and they're just like, this just ruined tomatoes for but me. Right, that's so fine first class one time. You fly first class one time to Europe. You're yeah. a ruined. Yeah. You're, right. you're a ruined man. <laughs> but what we also realized is is that we needed that shelf stable merchandise as well. Sure. So For that's kind of that's where we kind of grew our business with the corn, the masa. So what I do is that we take corn and we nix emollify it, which basically means you have to add a pH balance to it to take off that outer shell of the corn to make it easy to digest. So we do that. We rinse that the alkali off of it. of it and then we either wet mill it to make it into masa which uh corner kitchen oscar buys every week Genius. loves that yeah. he's a or, terrific chef mm-hmm. or what we do is that we dry that and it becomes a hard crystalled corn and then we stone mill it and then that's into our hominy grits so those are two items that become more shelf stable all throughout the year because you keep the corn till you turn it into masa. Yeah. There's other things like honeycomb. Honeycomb is a huge seller. We have honeybees. And what we realize is that the honeycomb is highly sought after more by the chefs. You know, there's a lot of places that sell honey and little bottles. But when you go to Acheron, when you go to V-Merch, you... And you get that charcuterie plate and you see that honeycomb. You want to know that it's local. You want to know that it's fresh. And and that's probably one of our nice big year-round sellers is that just beautiful, sweet local honeycomb. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing. And we got the bees because of the vegetable garden and yeah. their fun hobby. Yeah. Longest. And also the sweet corn. It's amazing to watch all the honeybees on, on the pollination of everything. So, Hey there, listeners. We'll get back to my guest in a minute, but I got to remind you one more time about Certified Piedmontese. Anyone who listens to this podcast or follows me on social media knows that I enjoy my fair share of decadent meals and delicious desserts. And that's why it's really important to me to eat really clean between big meals. And that is one of the main reasons I love Certified Piedmontese. 
Piedmontese cattle have extra muscle mass, which allows them to maintain a rich tenderness without much fatty marbling. In fact, ounce for ounce, certified Piedmontese beef has fewer calories and more protein than salmon. Don't believe that healthy food can taste this good? Just try it. When you order off CertifiedPiedmontese.com, use the promo code HOPPEN, that's my last name, H-O-P-P-E-N, for 25% off your order. You will taste the difference for yourself. If you are looking for steak, roasts, tenderloins, bacon, and more, check out CertifiedPiedmontese.com and experience the Certified Piedmontese difference today. And now, back to my guest. Okay, so we've talked about, you mentioned Le Cordier a while ago. Yeah. And then also Ben, he hadn't opened his restaurant yet, but no. he was in the process. What was the first restaurant that did take the dive and, and buy something from you guys? I think it was Acarant. Ocarant. I can never pronounce it correctly. Uh, I think it was Acarant, but yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I can't remember, but probably. What was that feeling like? Well, it's a little nervous. You're nervous because you're offering something that you only want them to think is the best. And so you're giving them something, you're selling them something. And but then you watch them smile. And even better yet, you go and, and we try eat, the food. And it's just certainly amazing. I think that's what I truly enjoy about working with the chefs is that uh, I'm a foodie. I love to cook, but I love to see what true it's chefs such a fun circle. really the, true the sh- to create. The chefs love to hear from you that you love what they've done with your product. Yeah. Does that make sense? I oh, like, absolutely. We, we just love to go eat at the restaurants that we sell to. It's just fascinating to. to see what they'll create because, you know, it's... it's yeah. It's not something that I will create. Fat, and, you know, she, she loves to sell the, to the, well, you read off the list, the fabulous restaurants, you know, the guys that are yeah. on their way to James Beard's or, you know what I mean? It's the, People that will truly create and, and really work with some of the things that we have. Right. Well, that's something that I actually wanted to ask you about. And I'm so glad that you guys take such joy in that. Cause like I, I went through a few menus and was looking for some, some of your products in my research for this. And like, I found one. Uh, the Boiler Room currently has a dish. Um, it's a, a short rib dish, but it has your polenta on it. It's wonderful to try, too. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like, I'm trying to imagine what it's like for you guys that you sell Tim Nicholson, the chef at the Boiler Room. You give him just this polenta, and you don't really know what he's going to do with no. it. And then you see, you know, whether it's looking on a menu or seeing it on social media or even going into the restaurant, you see. He's taken this polenta and made it just beautiful in itself. But then on top of it, he's got a braised short rib. He's got a sweet potato puree, crispy kale, and glazed shallots. Like, how fun is that for you to see you Mm -hmm. starting with this thing that obviously you created and you worked really hard on it. But now it looks and tastes and everything about it is completely Mm -hmm. different. What what is that feeling like for you? To me, it's it's like art. They're, They're like artists. Yeah. You know, and we're selling yeah. paint. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, That's a good way to put it. Le Cordier won an award for the best bread in the state in the 50 state. Like it was two like years Food ago. and Wine magazine. Food and Wine okay. magazine, best Did this bread. Whole thing. And they get and and they use our sour our, our whole wheat flour in their sourdough. Yeah. And so for us that was so cool. It was very cool to be seeing them a part win of an Le award Cordier. because uh Seth or John, I don't know one of them, um, said something about the fact that they only have to go four miles to get their flour for this particular bread. It's, and, it's amazingly fresh, you know, so that's very Boiler cool. Room does the same thing. V-Merch does the same yeah, thing. Yeah, V-Merch has a drink on their recipe. Yeah. <laughs> with, Dr- what is it? Uh, it's called, uh, it's a Matthew McConaughey knockoff. Of, okay. Uh, all right, all right, all right. And what it is, it's made with our honey, and it's made with our apple cider, but it's made with rye whiskey. <laughs> So the all right, math, all right, all right, all right, all right. I like uh, it, you yeah. Know? And, and it, you know, it's just fascinating to see if it's a drink or if it's um, Ted and Wally's and cone flour. Yep, making ice cream out Making of it. ice cream. It is truly amazing what they will do with ice cream. So I, I, I think that's the cool thing is that it's just not just the one plate that you would see. You We're so sad to see Sternella go away. We know. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Just I know. Cry. Seriously, know. rest They're, in peace. I know. Oh. Matt, Matt really Matt will come back doing something cool. Oh, we know he, he will. That, we know that, he will. That's in yeah. the works right now. 
Trust me. But a- anyway, get, getting back to this, do you remember the first time whether you guys went into a restaurant and had a dish with your products or you went to, you know, Coneflower or Ted and Wally's and had some ice cream? But the first time when you got a chance to taste what a chef or what a restaurant had done with something from Miller Dorman Farms. Yeah, I think it was uh, some wheat, whole wheat bread, rye whole wheat rye bread or whole wheat sourdough bread and that's it we are from lola's or somewhere Lo- I, don't I was know. just going to oh, mention lola's, yes. lola's had that on the menu i mean there's all different types of um chefs out there that are using our, our whole wheat but uh i don't know man in between liquidier lola's Acarat. Acarat, Boiler Room. I mean, all those. Casa Bovina. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Casa Peter, Peter. Bovina. Mm-hmm. In the back and in the bakery. And Peter Bass, he makes all the bread for the Mikado. Mm-hmm. He's been on the podcast. So, Great dude. So we sell a lot to them. So, um, And we're always looking for new customers. Um, if someone really wants to try our whole wheat flour and try to be a baker, go for it. We've, we do sell on our website. Um, you can buy a, you know, a two and a half pound bag of flour and you can actually become that chef, that baker that you want to be. We have a lot of amateur guys that will come and several times a year make their own whole wheat bread and they're really good chefs. They're just like, they haven't started their restaurant yet, Uh (laughs) but but who, never, who knows? Maybe they a will. Lot, a lot of people go to our website, and then they see what they can buy and, and go from there. Um, like, I'm going to be putting out something about our um, Oaxacan green corn hominy. We're going to turn it into masa. And tamales is one of those things that is made around um, Christmas. And, uh, but you really need that fresh masa. So I think we'll be mentioning something about that, that we'll have Oaxacan Green um, masa available for sale. Um, this past fall, we did uh, pop-ups, and two of the big pop-ups is um, my soup pop-up. And what I started doing about five years ago is I realized I had a lot of different produce that I you know, can't if, always sell it all. You can't always sell it all. You got to move it quickly. So I would process it in, and put it into different types of soup. You know, whether it be the butternut soup, whether it be the Tomatoes, tomato soup. Peppers. But the all the all important favorite is the sweet corn chowder soup. Oh, of course. So that's always a big seller because we have about ten days when the corn is ripe and not too ripe and ready to go, and you have to buy then, or it's fifty weeks you can't have it. No, unless you process it. And have you ever, it. have you ever picked an ear of corn? No, no. it's time, Dan. I think it's time. I was thinking about that. I, I think, think my sister think. tried to go grow corn in our garden growing up. I don't think I ever picked it, and I don't think it was very successful. It's time for you to come it's out in time. July. It's and help always pick hot. Corn one day. It's always it's it, it, it. But it's so worth it. So what I do is we pick it and we have this pop up. But then during those next five days, when the corn is really supple Perfect. and sweet, I'll uh, blanch it and cut it off the cob, and then you process it and you put it into quart bags freezer bags freezer bags and in the fall when i have a soup pop up then i start making the sweet corn chowder with that so a lot of people really like that and then in super bowl i'll have a super sweet um deal where we'll have um sweet corn chowder um cornbread we'll probably have something really tasty from nibs chocolates Mm. we always Mm -hmm. like that so we're always kind of using different things to really highlight what people want to eat. Okay, we've mentioned pop-ups so many times. It's time <laughs> to dive into it. And I think we've probably mentioned most, if not all of them. Like, you guys have done... Um, oh, like, you do a holiday market every year. You have soup pop-ups, sweet corn pop-ups, plant pop-ups. You've had a comfort food pop-up in the past. I mean, you have really taken this barn and used it as a way to to highlight your ingredients so well. How fun is it for you to invite people onto your ground? So it's not just they're experiencing it out in restaurants or maybe even buying it and using it themselves, but they're coming onto your grounds and maybe getting inspired and seeing like, oh, man, this sweet corn chowder is amazing i wonder if i could make this on my own like what what is it like for you guys to host pop-ups 
We like uh, to meet. We like to meet everybody. Yeah, I, I think it's more like just listening to people. Okay, it's not uh, really about hearing their stories of inspiration, but more getting to know who these people are. Well, they, they come. They come back over and over, and they, they become our friends. They're cu- the customers yeah, become your friends. They may be they... a next door neighbor that you didn't know you had. It may be someone that is new to the area that found out about our pop-up through Facebook. And then they come out and they're like, really, you guys do this? And then they always, the first thing they smell is the alfalfa in the barn. And I don't know if you remember the smell of the alfalfa. And for so many, that brings them back to their childhood as well, growing up on a farm or just that, that sweet smell of alfalfa gives it that authentic barn feeling. So when we do a pop-up, it is a it's lot fun. of work, it's but it's, it's a lot of fun. And I love to listen to people. I love to hear them tell me all about how they enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the really cool, exciting things we sold this past um, holiday market was um, egg noodles. Oh, yeah. You know, that's a true comfort. I don't know if you've ever had egg noodles. Oh, of course. Grandma made egg noodles. And that's another thing I'm going to be featuring here just in a little bit. Because of Christmas, you want to make sure that you have your comfort food for Mm -hmm. for your Christmas meal. It warms you up from the inside. Egg egg noodles are are a wonderful thing. We realized that that was a, a true treasure that a lot of people enjoyed. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It, it goes from that barn of being a a barn of function, a barn of sweat to a barn filled with neighbors, filled with people enjoying food. And like Kevin said, maybe even a a wedding reception here and there. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it is a lot of fun. Okay, so, I mean, obviously pop-ups have become a huge part of the farm now. When, like, who came up with the first idea to host a pop-up? Like, where did that arise? Jen, that was you? Yeah, she, she wanted to do uh, education of... Yeah, that's right. Farm, I don't know what she... What did you call it? Or we, 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 we had... Uh, Chad? Chad come teach a cheese-making yeah, class in did. the barn. And then we thought, well, you know, we've got this beautiful barn. We might as well... Do some stuff with it, and then the thing is, is that people walk into the barn and they immediately are just taken back, taken back, and they smile and they see the warmth. And I figured, well, let's let's springboard that to some other things. And uh, one thing led to another, and yeah, we found out what's works, what works for us, and and um, you know what we can raise, what we can make. We we do uh, in the winter time when things slow down a little bit. I do black walnut syrup, which has turned turned out to be pretty popular. Which but it's is sort very of popular. Obscure. So no one... have you ever tapped it's a like tree? Maple syrup. No. Okay, it's time again. <laughs> so... We'd be coming out every month for hanging well, out with you guys. Well, that's it. We're gonna put you to work it's, here. It's sort of like the maple syrup in Vermont, but yeah. Nebraska doesn't have very many sugar maple trees. Yeah. So. so it starts in February when the maple when the black walnut when... trees start running their sap. Then we. Tap the trees. And Tap the trees. Boil so it, the sap into syrup, and it's really good. So the sap runs when the temperature gets up to about 40, 50 degrees during the day. And below but then freezing at night. Below freezing at night. And with our weather these years, it's been really temperamental. So we've been trying to get out there earlier and earlier because we're finding out that it starts getting warmer and warmer. And, and once it stays above freezing for a and while, then it stops. So what he has figured out is that you tap all the syrup, the sap, and it's a 30 to 1 ratio. So if you get 30 pounds of sap. Once you reduce it down. One pound of syrup. It's one pound of syrup. So it becomes... Gold. It's, a lot, it's a lot of work. It's, but it's, it's a lot it's of work, so yummy. but it's it's a it's so tasty. It's a very dark, nutty, syrupy, beautiful. I had a buddy that discovered he had a maple tree in his front yard, and he got all excited. He was like, "I'm going to tap this, and I'm going to make maple syrup." And so he did it for like months and months, and then <laughs> oh, reduced no. it down. And like he made pancakes for him and his wife, and they had enough syrup for like one, one pancake. pancake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and so that was like my introduction. I was like, "Oh, that's a lot of work." Even just making syrup, it's like real syrup, is really really hard. Yeah, yeah. That's why the bees are so busy out there doing the same thing. Mm, mm-hmm. They're uh, they're the flying five miles a day to collect a little bit of 
sap and then bring it back and then wave their little arms on it and dehydrate Sheesh. it down into honey. Same, a 30 to 1 ratio for 30, them too. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So I like it when my bees are out working and I'm just not doing it. So. <laughs> exactly. One of the things that I love about you guys' pop-ups is you have enough products and things that you could do with them that you could host a pop-up totally on your own. And it could be totally, this is just Miller Dorman Farm, Miller Dorman Farm. Mm-hmm. But you don't do that. At each one, at least that I've been to, you have uh, you have chocolates yes. and bonbons yes. from Nibs. You've got bread from Michelle Stats or from uh, Mary Pedersen. You've got beef and pork from Little Mountain Ranch. Why, when you guys were establishing these pop-ups, was it so important for you to say, this is an opportunity for us to highlight not only our stuff, but other people as well? I truly believe in giving a person a leg up. Uh, What I find is that there's a lot of people out there younger than us that have these dreams to build businesses. And whether it was Lindy of Nibs, whether it's... Baking bread. Sanding chairs for Ben at Oklahoma when he was getting ready to open the restaurant. That's another thing. But we believe in giving people a leg up. So what we did is we opened up our barn and we thought, okay, so we'll sell bread. Well, we got to have chocolates. And then it's it's a little bit self-serving because there's almost nothing better than having uh, somebody like Boz come out and make elote with your sweet corn. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like, or, you know, we would have, uh, uh, the bread makers come and make bread out of your flour. So part of it is showing what, here's what, here's you, what you can do what with it. Yeah. You too you, could be a genius like Mary Pedersen, right? <laughs> or, well, most of us can't. But, but hypothetically, yes. Could, hypothetically, yeah. theoretically, you might be able to, yes. right? I mean, there's, there's a chance. There's a very small dumb, chance. Dumb and dumber chance like it is, but it's, <sighs> it's some chance. So, yeah. So I, I I thoroughly enjoy seeing what others can create and, and watching and grow. And helping people. And it helps yeah. traffic for us, too. Yeah. So we have to sometimes put up a special line for the bread because... The bread line. Um, you have to come out. So, so fast. So fast. Yeah. We, we literally have created a system to keep the bread line separate <laughs> from everything else. Otherwise, it creates a jam-packed barn. Uh, I found a quote from you, Jen, in another article that I want to bring up. And you said, we enjoy the outdoors, we enjoy nature, and we enjoy sharing knowledge with others. And it's that last part that I want to focus on Mm -hmm. because, you know, obviously your farm offers great products to customers and to restaurants. But what makes you passionate about sharing the knowledge as well as the products? Well, I listen to people. I listen and and I look at their eyes and, and I see the awe. And once I I start listening to their questions, I realize that they want to learn, that they are just fascinated with what we do. So it's a two-way street. We love listening to people, taking their questions, and then sharing that knowledge so that they learn and they know more about sustainable agriculture in Nebraska or or the facts and fallacies of a farm. You know, a lot of people don't know about what really goes on in a farm. But they there is that romanticness and and so we start to educate people about what we have to offer and what they can buy from us or what we have to offer again. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's a great answer. Uh, okay, so I've got two questions that I like to end every podcast with that I usually ask to chefs or restaurateurs. I'm going to tweak them slightly for you guys, but I still think we're going to get some really fun responses. Mm. The first one is this. What is one thing that you think most just consumers, normal people who don't work on a farm, don't understand about working on a farm that you wish they did understand? It's 24-7. Yeah, <laughs> probably. It's, a, it, it, yeah, it's it's uh, even if you're not in the field plowing, you're getting ready with the tractor or the equipment or you're, you're handling the, the grain storage, uh, keeping are you the doing other, the it's, paperwork? It's, it's constantly learning of, and looking for me. It's constantly learning uh, of better ways to do things as well. You know, exactly. And it's constantly for me, um, expanding our market reach as well. So whether it's finding a new restaurant that may be opening up in the old market and educating them about what we have, or just 
looking at new products that maybe is on the cover of Baker's Creek uh, catalog, and maybe we need to know that we need to bring it in. It's it's always looking and investigating. Yeah, I think for us it's an interesting. It's it's complicated and interesting and always challenging. And something when, is always out to get you on the farm. If it's no rain or no too rain, much rain or hail or breakdowns, or breakdown or breakdowns, silly things, you know, it's, just, it's, 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 it's not as easy as sometimes it's, it, it, it seems romantic and cool. And, but some days are like, and oh, at why, five why, o'clock, am I, why am I doing this? And at five o'clock when everyone else kind of goes to, to bed, the day, we're still, we're out, still out there so, yeah. or whatever, but it's fun. Most of the time it's fun. Okay. And then on the positive side of things, what's your favorite thing about owning and working on a farm? I don't know. Maybe the smell of fresh cut alfalfa. Fresh cut alfalfa. <laughs> so silly. The taste of, of what the we taste grow. Taste of sweet corn. The taste you, of everything. Uh, my my friend Tim Kitely, who's always come out to our sweet corn pop-up, he's a, he's a good eater and, and a good bread maker amateur. But he says when he was a kid, they would run from the field to the pot <laughs> to well, you husk the corn while you're running to the pot to get it into the thing, because every minute that you're out there, the starch is converting from sugar to starch, and the sweetness is going away for every minute. So if you can pick sweet corn fresh and get it to the pot right away. And cook it. So in other words, what we're saying is that when you go to the store, even Whole Foods or whatever it's you... It's still two days old. It's still two days old. If you go to the farmer's market, unless they picked it... That morning. That morning, it's it's not going to be like our sweet corn. And that's what makes our The, our the farmer's market is the closest you're going to find, yeah. where they picked it that morning and they're selling it that afternoon. That's mm-hmm. wonderful. Yeah. So that those are wonderful things about, about farming. Also... Uh, being outside, you know, having uh, the fresh air is wonderful. I, I think being outside, it's the seasons. Every season has an opportunity. Every season has something to look forward to. Um, whether it's winter, so we can plan for next year. Whether it's spring, when that soil smells so fresh and you just want to start digging in there to the hot summer days and sticky and sweaty. But it just it's a magical time. And every season, there's there's some beauty well i thank you guys for all your hard work because it is i've enjoyed some incredible dishes that would not have been the same without your special products and listeners i would just encourage you as you start to go out to restaurants or look at social media posts or whatever start looking for the name miller dorman farms because you're going to see it on a lot of menus Uh, you hear it come out of chef's mouths all the time and there's a good reason for it and Follow Miller Dorman Farms on social media so you can see, hey, when's the pop-up coming up? Mm-hmm. What What's fresh? What might be in their store right now? I don't think that you're probably going to become like a Mary Pedersen level <laughs> of <laughs> chef or, or cook no. or baker. But there's a chance. Maybe. There's hypothetically <laughs> yeah, there's a, a chance. And even if you're not at that level, you can still create some great food with these products. Whole so, wheat pancakes are wonderful oh, and very and easy. With, and, and then with our black walnut syrup. With black walnut oh, there syrup. there you go. And, it, and how about a Miller Dorman Farm egg on top of that? Oh, boy. Let's just keep it going. Let's throw uh, some honey in there, uh, too. Just, know, and some bacon from Bill. Okay. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Jen and Kevin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was a really fun time. Thank, thank you. you. Omaha, as always, thanks for eating with us. A Huda Media Production.